We thank you so much for your love for us and for your word, and I ask that you would bless us this morning as we come to your word, open our eyes and open our ears, and, and Lord, as we meditate on, on these things, as we hear them and we see them, help us to need them and massage them in our brains and meditate on them and get them down into our hearts, and uh, please feed us and encourage us today, and we thank you in your precious holy name. Amen. What is home to you? What is home to you? The Oxford English Dictionary defines home as the place where a person dwells, where they are brought up or where they live. Uh, And it's a place that holds feelings of belonging and comfort. What is home to you? Is it a place Is it a group of people? Is it a a house that you remember? I could close my eyes right now and walk into the house I lived in for the first 19 years of my life and go to my bedroom, go to my mom and dad's bedroom, go to the living room, go out in the backyard. I, I could just handle that house. I'm sure there are fewer steps than there used to be because I'm six feet instead of four feet, but... What's home? Psalm 84 is a psalm about home. It's a psalm about home. It's about where we in Christ are from and where we're going. So if you turn there with me, we're going to look at Psalm 84 this morning. The psalm tells us in the, the three parts that we see that are divided out by the words Selah. It tells us that we have a home. It reminds us that we're far from home. And it assures us that we are going home. So to begin with, we have a home. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts, My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my God and my King. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah. I expect when I asked you about home, what home meant and what you thought about home and and what home was, some some of you had a sense of comfort and a sense of peace and and there's a sense of of warmth and, and a memory of safety if it's a place from your past. Some of you might have a sense of loneliness or a, a sense of, of separation or loss. For some people, home has the richest memories of their lives. For some people, home means pain or disappointment or even worse. But for those who are in Christ, no home on earth can begin to compare with the home that we have with the Lord. He says that our home is the house of God. We see several phrases in the psalm for the house of God. In verse 1, it's the dwelling place. 
In verse 2, it's the courts of the Lord. In verse 3, it's the altars of God. In verse 4 and verse 10, it's the house of God. And he says that that house, that place where God is, is lovely. This is kind of, it's, it's, it's not particularly a unique word. But it's, it's odd that it's used here. Because lovely here doesn't mean beautiful. It means desirable. The other places this word is used in the Old Testament, it's not used of architecture. It's used of people. It's used of the person who is your beloved one. It's the word used in the Song of Solomon for the beloved. God uses it in the book of Jeremiah when he's talking about his people who have betrayed him through spiritual adultery. He calls them my beloved. And and there's that sense of, of the depth of violation of the God who loves us so. To the children of the Lord, where God is, his house is lovely. It's beloved to us. It's precious to us. It's wonderful, not because it's beautiful, but because he is there. Because he is there. Home is what we long for. Verse 2 says, my soul longs for, even faints for. The courts of the Lord. And he explains what he means there. He says in the next phrase, my heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. The Psalms are Hebrew poetry. Hebrew poetry is, is built upon parallels and repetition. Parallels and repetition. Not rhyme and rhythm like we see in, in English poetry, so much of it. So the parallels here are my soul, which parallels my heart and my flesh, and longs, yes, faints, parallels, sings for joy, and the courts of the Lord parallels the living God himself. See, it's not just that we want to go to God's house, whether or not God is there. You can't separate the house of God from the person of God. It's not that we want a place, it's that we want a person. We want the living God himself. And we find that we're going to be welcomed there. Verse 3 says, Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. I didn't read the inscription to the psalm. It's to the choir master, according to the Giddith, which is, which is probably a tune that they knew. It's a psalm of the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah were Levites. They were from the tribe of Levi, of the family of Korah. This is the same Korah who rebelled against God and Moses in Numbers 16 and perished. But Numbers 26 says his sons did not die. They weren't killed with him because of his rebellion. Now, the family of Aaron were Levites. Within the tribe of Levites, the family of Aaron were the priests. The family of Asaph were Levites, and within the tribe of Levites, the family of Asaph were the singers, the musicians. The sons of Korah were the doorkeepers, the gatekeepers. They were the ones who unlocked the temple in the morning and locked it back up at night. 
They were the ones who did the maintenance. They were the ones who kept the place running. James Montgomery Boyce, a pastor who, who passed away a number of years ago, in, in a sermon on this, he called them the janitors of the temple. And he calls this psalm the psalm of the janitors. Janitors are going to know where the sparrows are building their nests on the building. Janitors will know where the swallows have built their, their mud nests. And as they're, as they're cleaning and tending around the altars there in the court of Israel, in the temple, the janitors especially noticed, look at the little birds who are welcome here. If those little birds, Jesus said sparrows are sold two for a penny. If those little birds are welcome at the altar of God, don't you think you're welcome in his home? This is about the meekness of the Christian and the belonging that we have and the glory that is there. We see, too, that home is a place of perfect contentment. Verse 4 says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are means it's a beatitude. We saw that last week in Psalm 1. And uh, as we see in Matthew chapter 5, what we know as the Beatitudes, there's three Beatitudes in Psalm 84. This is the first. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. That means that they are happy, that they are content, that they are satisfied. And this is a picture of God's house in heaven. This is a picture of the heavenly place. Those who are there now are happy. They're content. They're satisfied. There, there seems to be this odd move within, uh, within different groups of, of Christianity, different areas of Christianity, where people want to say people in heaven can look down and see what's going on here and they just grieve for us. Well, no, they're blessed. If they can see what we're doing, and there's no evidence biblically that, we can't, that they can, if they can see, then they see with the eyes of those who have the, the, the perfect perspective of God himself. And they no more weep and ache and moan over us than we do for our children when we take them for their, for their shots and they, they cry a little bit. They're blessed. Their blessing is not theoretical, it's, it's actual, it's perfect. See, home is not just the place you belong, it's the place you have no need to leave. The restlessness that we have here, that young people have, that teenagers have, man, I could hardly wait to get out. We'll never have there. We'll be at home there. We have a home. The section ends with the word selah. Selah is a word that, to be honest, we don't know what it means. From where it appears in the Psalms, the most likely idea is that selah means stop for a second and think about this. Stop for a second and think about this. Those who live in the house of God are blessed. They're happy, they're content, they're satisfied beyond anything that we can imagine now. So does your soul long for that? 
Do you long for the house of God? Do you long for his courts? Do you hunger and even ache to be with him? We have a home. We are also far from home. Verse 5 through 8 comprise the middle section. It begins with the beatitude. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Oh, Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Well, so now we have the blessed on the earth. That first beatitude speaks of those who are now in, now with the Lord. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Now we have the, the blessed on the earth. How can we be blessed here? So far from home. With the ache in our hearts to be with him. It's because the Lord is our strength. I love the second phrase in verse 5, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. The the words to Zion are not in the the Hebrew text. The literal text is, in whose heart are the roads, in whose heart are the highways. And the translators of the ESV and the New American Standard decided that that was the highway to Jerusalem, to Zion. And they kind of supplied that. That's certainly the idea. See, part of this blessing now is that the Lord has given you a desire to be with him where he is. He is drawing you toward him. The fact that the word highway is used and not path tells us that it's established, that there is a way, that it's been mapped out that it leads from you in Christ today to where he is. He's put that in your heart. He's given you that longing. The Holy Spirit has filled you with longing for heaven. You're going to be restless until you get there. You're going to be aware you're not home until you get there. Now, life on the road is not easy. As they go through the Valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. There is no physical location called the Valley of Baca. Nobody's ever been able to identify it. They've tried. They've said, well, maybe it's here and maybe it's there. But see, the root word, Baca, means weeping. I don't think the Valley of Baca is a physical place. I think the Valley of Baca is like the Valley of the Shadow of Death in Psalm 23. You and I, as we go through this life, as we head home, as we long for the courts of God, as we long to be with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, in that blessedness, go through weeping. 
There's tragedy here. There's physical pains and emotional pains. It's hard, but notice what it says. As we go through this valley of weeping, they make it, and I believe that the intention is that because we're in Christ, God makes it a valley of springs. Weeping drains, springs refresh and renew. What, what are we being told here? I think we're being told here that the sufferings that we endure on this earth are designed to make us hungry for heaven and to increase our determination to be there. It's, it's almost as if the Lord says, I will not allow you to get too comfortable. I don't want you to be home there. I don't want you to feel home till you're with me. He's promised us in Psalm 30 that while weeping may tarry for the night, joy comes with the morning. He will bring us from strength to strength, verse 7 says, and he won't lose a single one of us. Each one will appear before God in Zion. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even young people will faint and grow weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. This section ends with a prayer. Oh, Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. One commentator I read, a pastor said, the nearer the goal, the stronger the pull. Strength to strength, not one is lost. And here's this passionate prayer. Father, I long for your house. I long for your courts. I long for your presence. I long for the permanence and safety of your house, of you. The road is hard. There are valleys of weeping here. Turn my tears into springs. Strengthen me and bring me home. And Selah, yet again, stop and and think for a moment. Christian, you have a home. You're not yet home. This world is not your home. Your attempts to make this world heaven will fail. And and you know that. You know know that no no matter how good it, it gets, it won't last It won't stay that way. I've got these highlight moments in my heart and in my memory of learning that that we were expecting Kevin and expecting Sarah and then seven years later when we were told there was no hope of children finding out we were expecting Grace, of of hearing that Sarah was marrying just a wonderful godly man, the news of our grandchildren, those just stand out as these emotional high points to me. And there is nothing to any of those 
that darkened them or stained them or colored them, but I, I don't live in that high state of emotion. The valley is the valley of tears. If you try and make this world heaven, you're going to fail. So accept that it's not and throw yourself at the foot of the Lord, the foot of the cross, and trust Him. We have a home. We are still far from home, but we are going home. If Psalm 84 ended at, at verse 8, O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer, we might be tempted to think that the outcome is uncertain. How many times have you been promised things that, that were never fulfilled? How many times have you been filled with hope and longing and this aching and it just gets crushed and your, your dreams and your desires just get shattered? I love I love to see little babies. I love infants. I love holding them. I love cuddling with them. They start getting toddler size and mouthy. I'm ready to pass them on to grandma. But I love the little ones. But, you know, you, every one of those little ones you hold and you just think, who's going to break your heart? Will, will the Lord show you the grace to restrain your sins so that you don't devastate your life? What's going to happen? How many times have we started out on a journey and it ends before we, we even arrive? So these words are really significant. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. These final verses anticipate our arrival home and and our life there because of the anointed one. I love verse 9. Behold our shield, O God. What does he mean by that? Look on the face of your anointed. And the, the, the English word anointed is kind of a, uh, it's one of those funny words because it can be singular or it can be plural. Here it's singular. At the time the sons of Korah wrote this psalm, they were referring probably to either David or Solomon as the king, as the anointed of God. But that's been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I don't mind writing in in my Bible. If you don't mind writing in your Bible, feel free to capitalize the word anointed. This is talking about Jesus. This is saying when you go home, when you go to the Lord, when you close your eyes in death and you open your eyes to see him, you're not going to be saying, look at my life, look at what I did, look at my accomplishments, look at how good I was. You're going to say, Lord, look on the face of Jesus. He's my Savior. He's my shield. He's my hope. We boldly call upon the Father to look on His Son and not us, and to receive us as He receives His own Son. What is life going to be like in the house of God? Verse 10 says, A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. There's a, a well-known 
chorus that includes those verses. It's about Psalm 84. Picks up a number of phrases there. Better is one day in your courts than thousand elsewhere. We don't know what we're going to do there. We don't know what life in heaven is, is going to be like. We, we don't know how we'll be occupied. The sons of Korah, who are doorkeepers in the physical temple, are saying, I'm content just doing this in the house of God. You know what you call the smallest corner in the courts of the Lord? The courts of the Lord. And he says, I would rather be there a day than a thousand elsewhere. This is what I think he's saying to us. I think he's saying that by the time you've been with the Lord one day, all of the thousands of days you lived here will be transcended overshadowed by that. Somebody who lives 80 years lives more than 29,000 days. One day with the Lord is going to completely overshadow those days. Just, Just one day. Whatever the suffering has been, whatever the grieving has been, whatever the fear has been, whatever the anxiousness has been, whatever you've dealt with in terms of of sin and temptation, whatever weight you have borne on this earth, however many times it's been multiplied here, by the time that first day in heaven is over, the blessing that you have had completely overwhelms this life. And that's just the first day. There's an infinite number of days to come after that. I know that some of you remember that old hymn that says, When all my labors and trials are o'er, and I'm safe on that beautiful shore, just to be near the dear Lord I adore will through the ages be glory for me. When by the gift of his infinite grace, I am accorded in heaven a place just to be there and to look on his face, will through the ages be glory for me. One day in his courts is worth thousands elsewhere, but don't forget there's an infinite number of days in his courts. And so what will you do there? It it won't matter. He's your son, he's your shield, he is your provider, he bestows glory and honor, favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. It won't matter what you do. We will be immersed in him. Home. The word Selah is not found at the end of verse 12, but... It fits there. In light of the home we have, in light of the home we're going to, 
in spite of the fact that we are not yet home, Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. In spite of all of the disadvantages that we think that we have here, there is suffering, but there is also blessing. The longing that we have for him, the confidence that we have in him, the the moments of peace we have in him now, the foretastes of glory divine are part of that blessing. So trust in him today. You have to trust in him every day. You can't do it one time. You do it every day and through the day. Don't be afraid to let yourself long for him. Don't be afraid to miss him. So much of modern American Christianity seems to be fixated on how do I make today the day that I want to have. And if you say, but I'm lonely, I want my God. I want the home that I have there. This world is not good enough. There's so much around you saying, no, 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 that's not acceptable. You have to make this life what you want. It will never be what you want. Don't be afraid to let yourself long for him. It's okay to want him. It's okay to want to be with him in his courts and to be at home in his house. This isn't a death wish. This is a life wish. I wish to be truly alive. Let yourself be blessed today. Let yourself be happy in Jesus today. Trust in him today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, our hearts long for you. Every single person that you have saved in Jesus Christ has this deep longing and ache to be with you. We know that we have a home with you. And we are so aware that we're not yet home. And it seems that we're far away. But we trust you, Lord, to strengthen us day by day. We trust you to turn our tears into springs of water. We trust that you have a place of peace and safety for us and that every good thing awaits us there. Bring us home, Lord, to your glory, that we may praise you there forever. Amen.